Praise the Lord. Uh, join with me in a brief word of prayer and we'll get into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, again, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Uh, Lord, uh, though this vessel be imperfect, Father God, your word is the perfect law of liberty. And, and Father God, you use the imperfect, Father God, because your, your, your grace is made perfect in our weakness. So, so, Father God, speak to the hearts of the hearers. And I just trust that it's received on, on good soil in a way that will bear fruit in every life present and every life hearing online, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I do want to say next week, you know, I'm doing a series on walking with God. Next week, is gonna, it's going to be interrupted because we're giving the, the youth leaders uh, the service next Sunday to share. Uh, I don't know if one is going to represent for all or if they're all going to, to team and do it typically. Do you guys have an idea of how you're going to go about that, Kyle, Dominique, Brittany? Going to have a couple of the kids speaking, giving testimony. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. You hope. <laughs> formulating plan B in my mind right now. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm really proud of the job that our youth leaders have done and, and just really proud and excited about the youth in general. Uh, we have a bunch of young people that are on fire for the Lord and are real testimony, um, a real great testimony of the goodness of God. And so these are the ones that are going to be carrying the gospel forward, <laughs> carrying the promises of God forward into the next generation. And I look at what God is doing there and it gives me hope for the future um, as a as a great contrast to a lot of the narratives that are out there. We can look at what God is doing and we can be hopeful and be full of faith and thanking God that he is going to continue his glory is going to continue in future generations. Amen. Uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Malachi chapter 2, and we'll get started today um, with the third individual. The Bible specifically says walked with God, and that is Levi. First nine verses. And that will be the main text that we go over today um, with other reference scriptures. But starting in the first verse, it says, And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Trust me, it gets better. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. I think it's fair to say God is not pleased with the priests. But then he goes on in verse 4, So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi 
may stand, says the Lord of hosts. And Levi is the subject of the message today. That my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear. And he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. And no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. And he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge. And people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from my way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instructions. So here we are in these. I want to pay particular uh, attention to verses five and six. I'll say four and six. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. There is a covenant between God and Levi. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. And no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. And he turned many from iniquity. In those two verses, five and six, there are six, you know, we talked about the testimonies of Enoch and Noah in the previous two messages. And here comes the testimony of Levi that speak that, that speak to his walk with the Lord. It says here that Levi feared or revered God. He adored him. He was in awe of him. He, he reverenced him. He worshipped him. So he revered God. He stood in awe of God's name. True instructions were in Levi's mouth. He knew God's will and he faithfully taught others. Uprightness was not found on Levi's lips. He did not speak evil or unclean things. He walked in peace and uprightness. And he turned many back from iniquity. And I wanted to, to really park there for a while and just really meditate on those things because really I want that list of things to really, I want you to jot those down as best you can and I'll repeat them because these are characteristics that have led to Levi getting honor as one who's walked with the Lord and 
that tells me those are characteristics that ought to be present and displayed by those of us today who are walking with the Lord. Because if we say walk with the Lord, what should that look like? Can we have an idea about what it means to walk with the Lord? And there's a certain conduct that is required of us. We're saved by grace through faith. But as children of God, there is a conduct that we are held accountable to as God's children. Just like many of us who are parents, we expect our children to display a certain conduct that reflects well on the family. There are certain values that we, that are important to our family that we want our kids to exhibit. Is that not true? Okay, of course, the same is true of God here. And so, and God lets us know this by highlighting in his word these individuals who walk with God and the characteristics of their walk with God that we should be emulating. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 16, uh, say this when it talks about him fearing the Lord. It says this, and now Israel, this is God's will towards Israel, his will for his people. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Notice the very first thing before he listed off all those other things, was fear the Lord. And it is out of a, it is out of a fear, an awe, a reverence for God, that out of which all those other things flow. Why do we do what we do? You know, we had an awesome teaching through Going Kids God's Way. Uh, Jimmy Rosemary Kleckler uh, lovingly led that for years, and we were among the many beneficiaries of that, but they had one thing in there that I'm going to talk about today, and it talked about what should be our goal and our motivation and our moral training for our kids. Is it conformity, making them do right for outward appearance sake, or or, or is it to reach their hearts? As parents, we can make them conform but they could be rebellious in their hearts. They don't have the strength to do what they really want to do, so they're they're made to do what you want them to do, but in their hearts they're rebelling, right? And so it taught us the importance of reaching their hearts. Not doing what we do for fear of consequence, but for the love of virtue. Now, we can start with the fear of, uh, of consequence, But that's just the beginning. We should work toward doing it out of love. And so I'm not here to condemn. If you're here and your motivation for doing and walking in the things of God is out of fear of consequence that you don't. I'm not going to say don't do that. I'm going to say that's just a starting place. There's a more excellent way. There's a more excellent motivation that I would encourage you to work toward. To where you're not doing it for fear of consequence, 
but for love of virtue, but for love of God, out of awe and reverence for him. Why is that a difference? And it was so profound when we first learned this, is that as long, if, if, if our kids are doing what they're doing, or choosing not to do bad for fear of consequence, that only works when mom or dad is hovering over them, and we can notice what they're doing, and we can actually give them a consequence for it. If mom and dad aren't in a place to, or in a position to know what they're doing, then the motivation for doing right is not present. So you can only go so far with fear of consequence. If fear of consequence is our motivation, what, what, what will happen when there is no fear of consequence? The heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. We're, 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 we're going to go astray Eventually, if fear of consequence is what's driving us. On the one hand, you know, God is just and he is not mocked. But he also is a God of grace, compassion, and mercy. He's not one to be played around with. But he's also one who loves us at our lowest points. And who would send his only begotten son to pay the penalty for our sin that we might be reconciled with him. Let, let's not view God in an incomplete, with an incomplete picture. Let's acknowledge both. He is both to be feared and revered. The day of the Lord is coming and there will be judgment with that. But there's also the salvation of the Lord. That is come in the person of Christ Jesus. And like CJ used to say, hey, if being saved, if salvation to you is fire insurance, if your motivation was to avoid the fire, well, so be it if that worked for you. <laughs> but, but just know that that's not, that's not where God wants you to park. God wants you to walk with him in intimate relationship. And he doesn't want us to walk with him simply in fear of consequence. Does that make sense? Um, I already alluded to this, but I, I just want to give the scripture reference. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 10 and 11 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The day of the Lord is coming. We're going to all appear, Christian and non-Christian. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. So he feared the Lord. not going to go into detail on all of them, but he feared the Lord. He stood in awe of my name, says the Lord. True instruction was in his mouth and no wrong was found on his lips. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
We ought to be able to give an answer for why we believe. We ought to be able to present the truth of the gospel. And, and, and we gotta, we have to resolve in ourselves to let God be true and everyone else a liar. What God's word says is authoritative. What God word, God's word says is preeminent. And anything, whether it comes from someone inside the church or outside the church, if it contradicts God's word, it's, it is not truth. It is lie. It is a lie. And we need, we need to value truth to the extent that we are willing to speak the truth in love. But not only that, if we need to be corrected, we need to submit to one another to the point to where if someone lovingly presents the truth to us and presents to us the error of our way and they can make a biblical presentation of that, then we need to be humble enough to receive that because we want to walk with God in truth. We want our life to be ordered according to his truth. We do not want to be speak speak truth and not live truth. And so that characteristic is is important for us. True instruction was on his lips. And no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many from iniquity. Turned many from iniquity. I won't spend a long time there. You know what that tells me? Uh, one of the names that came to mind when I uh, read that uh you know, may he rest in peace, is, is, is Billy Graham. A, a, a man of God that, that walked with God in an upright way, who had a moral influence that few have had in, 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 in the existence of this nation. <laughs> right? So he he didn't get involved in a lot of the periphery, whether it was business or politics or any of that stuff. He represented the kingdom. He represented God. He spoke truth. And because he spoke truth, because his life was ordered by that truth, because he stayed true to the commission and to the mission of God, he had a moral influence in our society that still exists today. And I believe uh, that similar testimony of Levi's, he, he turned people from their corrupt ways. He caused many to come to the Lord. So he had a strong moral influence. You know, there's a, there are some influences that I have in ministry uh, as I look to these individuals and, and try to learn, and, and Billy Graham is one of them. Uh, you know, there are YouTubes of his old messages, <laughs> that uh, some of which that I have, and there are others as well, but he's the one that was highlighted to me. And 
you know, he would not even so much as get on an elevator. All right. Um, with, with someone of the opposite sex, he would not get on the elevator with the woman without there being someone else there. He just did not want scandal. He did not want temptation. He did not want anything to hinder the call of God in his life. He did not want anything to hinder the witness of God. He, that, that was just an example of how he just kept things pure. He kept himself accountable. And he had nothing but, I'll say he was uh, above reproach in that area. And he's an example of what can be if we are serious in our fear of the Lord, in our awe, in our reverence of him. Why would he do all that stuff? Well, he did all of that because he walked with God. He put himself, those restrictions around himself. He put those things as safeguards because he feared God. He had an off, an awe, a reverence of God that motivated him to do those things because he didn't want people's hearts to be hardened towards God. He wanted people's hearts to be open toward him. And he did not want to be a hindrance in any way of that. And so he kept his way pure. He kept his way honest. He kept his way true to God's word and instruction. And he did not deviate when he preached. He preached a simple gospel message. He spoke to societal ills and, and challenged us to walk in the way of the Lord. Those of us who didn't know the Lord, he challenged us to know the Lord. He preached the grace and mercy and love of God. Those of us who were walking with God, he challenged us to walk with God. In uprightness and to represent him well. Levi is a man who, who exhibited that character trait as well. Now God is chastising the priests in uh, Malachi and he's using Levi as an example of how they ought to behave. So Levi revered God. He stood in awe of God's name. True instructions were in his mouth. Unrighteousness was not found on his lips. You didn't hear any rumors or, or down talking or bad mouthing. You didn't, none of that stuff came out of Levi's mouth. He walked in peace and uprightness. So his life was, his life was clean. His life was pure. He continually walked in peace. First, peace with God. He stayed in right relationship with God. Because he was ever mindful. Due to his reverence and his awe of the Lord, he was ever mindful before his mouth opened. He wanted to make sure that it was God honoring. He wanted to make sure that it was according to God's pure word of truth. He wanted to make sure it was in, in accordance with the way of the Lord. And because he did, when he opened his mouth and spoke, 
It was to the blessing of the hearer. The edification of the hearer. Are you hearing me? So he walked in peace with God and uprightness before God. And he turned many back from iniquity. And I want to remember all this stuff. I want, I'm going to reflect back. What did we learn about Enoch? The testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God, right? I'm going to ask that question again. The testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God, right? And in Hebrews 11, you know, we, we, we went through this when I went over Enoch, but it says that the testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God, but then the very following verse it says, and without faith it is impossible to please God, right? So we got to be that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so, so there was a, there, there was a connection between him pleasing God and his faith walk with God. He walked the faith walk with God in a way that was pleasing to God. God stayed preeminent in his thoughts, in his mind, in his approach to life. God stayed preeminent in that, and it governed all that he did. And he walked with God. And he kept walking with God and walking with God until God took him up that he should not see death. But he pleased God. His faith walk was pleasing to God. And then what do we, there's several things we learned of Noah, but, but Noah, it said that he feared God. He had an awe, a, a reverent fear of God. And that fear of God motivated Noah to build an ark. In obedience to God, it took him almost a hundred years to build. An ark was never necessary because it never rained. It had never flooded. So God commanded him to do something in preparation for something that had never happened before. And the something that he asked that God commanded him to build had never been built before. Just think about that. There, there, there was no frame of reference. I know those of you who heard it before, you're getting it again. Uh, hey, it is what it is. There was no frame of reference. You know, as humans, we want to understand, okay, God, I feel like God is telling me to do something. Uh, the circumstances I'm looking at makes that make no sense to me right now. And we want God to make sense of it before we act on it. But if he made sense of it and connected all the dots and, 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 and we knew from A to Z how things are going to plan out, that's not faith. When we're walking with God, we got to trust God to the point where God says, okay, that's the next step you should take. And we take that next step in faith. God hasn't revealed the destination to us yet, but he's revealed the next step. And so are we going to trust God to take the next step and rely on his faithfulness that God's going to provide for me whatever is needful for me to stand once I've taken that step, and he's going to give me further direction on the next step to take after that. 
I just got to trust God in the moment. I got to trust God with the next step. And I'll keep taking steps as God directs me. And eventually I'll get across the finish line. You know, that is a faith walk with God where we're trusting in him. But Noah did that. Didn't make any sense. What's an ark, first of all? What is an ark? Describe that for me. Okay. Uh, how do I build one? What is rain? What's a flood? I mean, we know all this stuff now, but he didn't. And yet his relationship and his walk with God was such that when God told him to do it, because he was going to judge the earth <laughs> with the flood, he didn't understand any of that stuff. But he knew what God told him to do. And out of fear of the Lord, he obeyed God and did everything that God instructed him to do. And after nearly a hundred years of obeying God, you know, it was sunshine. There was no rain the whole time he was building that thing. It didn't come. Until he and his family and, and all the animals in there and two by two went on the ark. The day that that gate that closed on the ark, the heavens opened. And the floods came. He obeyed God in it and got in that ark, not seeing any evidence that what God said would happen, would happen. So he feared God and obeyed him completely despite all kinds of confirming evidence of future events that God had told him about. So he was a righteous in an unrighteous generation and he was obedient to God and he was patient and faithful. And I want to, I want to conclude with a verse and a question. First with the question. We talk about these characteristics. Ones of Enoch, the ones of Noah, and now the characteristics with Levi. There's five or six of them. He so revered God. So stood in awe of God's name. that he made sure that true true instructions were in his mouth, Levi did. That no unrighteousness was found on his lips. Walked in peace and uprightness. Turned many back from iniquity. Strong moral influence. And the question, how many of these characteristics describe you? And I'm asking this question of myself. And this is a question that hopefully inspires some, some introspection, some, some self-contemplation. And, and, and just, you know, scripture says that we ought to evaluate ourselves from time to time, you know, to see if we be of the faith. Not in the pro- proclamation of our faith, but in the conduct. Of our faith. 
God judges the hearts, right? So from the inward man, the heart, where our emotions, where our thoughts, where our attitudes, where our perceptions and everything are. All those sins of life, all those sins that, that, that flow out of the heart of man. God wants to deal with us in the heart. So how many of those characteristics do we display? How many of those characteristics describe us? And this is not to make you feel bad about yourselves. This is for us to, uh, this is to shine a light up here. These guys that walked with God. God honored them in his word for a reason. And he gives these highlights of what it is about them that, that so pleased God that he highlighted them in scripture. He highlighted their faith walk in the scripture. It can't be because they were perfect. There's only one perfect being that walked the earth, and that's Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So it's not about a standard of perfection. What, 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 what was it about? What, what stood out? about their walk with the Lord that helped them push through their own human frailties, their own doubts and fears, the challenges that they presented in life. They clung to God and made sure that God stayed preeminent in their lives. They trusted him completely. Even when it did not seem uh, to make sense. (laughs) What God was calling them to. It might seem a little unfair to to finish with a question like that. But this is a question. I don't want you to rush through this. I want you to contemplate this uh, question. And continue to contemplate this question. You know. uh, After the service. Throughout the week. Just take it into. and, 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 And just meditate on this. And do your own study on what the scripture says about Noah, Enoch, Levi. And while the scripture made it a point to tell us that each of these men specifically walked with God. We know they're not the only ones that walk with God, but scripture says these men walked with God and this is how they did it. I think God's trying to tell us something here. He wants us to take notice of these gentlemen and, and the characteristics That caused God to highlight their walk with him to us. And, uh, and there may be some of you who are already walking in all of these things, uh, and, and praise God. But for those of us who aren't walking in all of these, then there is, this can be instructive for us that can help us in our growth in our walk with the Lord. And so I challenge you. And so I challenge you to set their example before you and endeavor to do all that you can to be pleasing to God and faithful to him. 
obedient to him in all things and, 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 and be patient. You know, uh, and I guess there's always a little something extra with me. And so I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry, I guess. No, but, uh, I can't help but remember, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah gets a bad rap. You know, he was a priest and he and his wife, Elizabeth, and it's in, in the gospel of Luke. He and his wife, Elizabeth, it says that they walk with God. They were faithful. They were obedient to God. So these people loved the Lord and they obeyed him and everything. Yet they were barren. They were not able to have children. Elizabeth was barren. Y'all know the story. God spoke with Zechariah one day when he was doing his priestly duties and, and, uh, his doubt, his question caused God to close his mouth, make him mute <laughs> so he couldn't speak. And he spoke to Elizabeth. He spoke to both of them that, that they were going to, uh, give birth and have a child. And the child that they gave birth to was John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Why do I bring them up? I'm sure when they got married, they thought that they would have a quiver full of children. (laughs) But uh, uh, who knows how many years they prayed to God to have a child. And that prayer went unanswered for years and years and years. And they end up getting on in, in age to where uh, Elizabeth is past childbearing age. And yet, even though that prayer, and I'm sure there were, there's sadness and grieving in their hearts and their thinking that w- what was hope abounding and believing God that God would do something for them would answer the prayer of their heart for a child and they go from hope to resignation. And the thing that makes me makes them highlighted to me is that even as it went from hope to resignation that, you know, well, we believe God now in our view it's impossible. Yet they stayed faithful. They stayed in awe and reverence to God. They stayed obedient. God was still God. They still loved him and still walked with him the same way as if he had answered that prayer. You could tell that they had stopped believing that that was possible by how they responded when they were approached. But despite that being their posture, it didn't change their heart towards their God. They were patient. They remained in awe and reverence to the Lord. It's not an accident or by happenstance or by mistake that God chose this couple to give birth to John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Rewarded them in their faithfulness. It didn't happen when they thought it would, but out of all the couples that John the Baptist could have been born to, that couple. Why did God choose them? 
Why wouldn't he? Is my question is. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? That couple that loved him, that couple that revered him, that couple that stayed faithful to him. And even though that most important of prayers went unanswered throughout the the prime of their lives and into their latter stages of life, their heart to God stayed open and trusting, full of faith, full of love, full of reverence. And it's no wonder that John the Baptist became who he became growing up in that household under those parents who loved God through great times and hard times, through answered prayer and non-answered prayer, (laughs) who stayed faithful and patient and received the blessing of the Lord in the Lord's timing. And that same kind of perseverance is displayed in all the characters that we've talked about in the last few weeks. And I will end with Hebrews 12. 28. As a matter of fact, I I should have said 28 and 29, but Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Uh, I like the New King James Version, the way that it says that serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. We've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, y'all. This life You know, plenty of things can be shaken. And oftentimes, God is the one that will do the shaking. What remains will be what is of him. And what does not remain, we didn't need in the first place. The the shaking was meant to loose that from from off of us because it's just a weight that's going to hinder us in our walk with him. Right? And so, the, 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 the earth... Our life can be shaken, but, but we have a kingdom. We're, we're included in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we have a God where heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. You know, there's nothing that happens on earth that catches him by surprise. There's, there, there, there's nothing that can happen on this earth that is too much for him to handle. He is our all in all. He is our source. He is our sustainer. You can trust him. As the examples in Hebrews 11, all those that are in the, the heroes of faith, uh, all these three gentlemen that walk with God according to scripture, we can walk with God and know God in the same fashion that they knew him. We can accomplish God's purpose and plan for our lives the same way that they did. We can have the same moral influence in our community that they had in their time. That Levi had. And I know the news is full of what's wrong in this world. 
you know what? This earth is going to perish one day. That, 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 that's, read the end of the book. That's going to happen. Along with Satan, tossed into the lake of fire. Death, hell, all of it. But we've been saved to the utmost, right? There is a waiting for us. Heaven in the presence of our God and our Savior. That we will be with him throughout eternity. We shall ever be with the Lord. Amen? His kingdom cannot be shaken. His salvation is not flimsy or uh, weak. His salvation, he saves us to the utmost. We are in his hands and no one can take us from his hands. Our names are written in the Lamb book of life and no one can blot us out. Our salvation is secure. And you know what? As we walk, we don't, we don't need to be fearful of man or fearful of consequences because if the worst comes the worst and our stand for God and our walk for God, causes us our life and we become martyrs for him those that can take our lives can't take our souls our lives are but a vapor in this world anyway right uh in the in the in the in the uh, throughout all eternity uh 70 years is but a blip you hear me Seems like yesterday I was holding my first baby in my hands and she's leaving the house this year. Uh, where did the time go? You know, our littlest baby is a 16-year-old young lady back there now. Makes me feel old. I appreciate <laughs> Was that Jim that said that? Or uh, <laughs> Well, I'm still working on that one. I haven't acknowledged being old yet. Uh, but yeah, uh, we were told treasure every moment because they'll, they'll pass before you know it. And even though we endeavored to do that, they still passed <laughs> unbelievably fast. Um, but God is still God, and he's faithful. We're in a phase of life now that we're going to have to grow and trust God in that. And I was talking with a, a brother a brother in the Lord yesterday, and we were talking as fathers. We were talking about our children, and both of us are in that phase where we feel like we don't have control. You know, we've we've invested so much into our children. Our children are growing. Um, we're praise, we're praising God and thankful to God for the kids that He's given us and the 
if we have all girls and the young ladies that they have grown into. And we recognize that there are areas that they still need to grow in and that and that but we're launching them out into a world that has many challenges and issues and, and so forth. And they're not under they're not going to be under our roof anymore. And there are things we could protect them from that we can't protect them from anymore, right? And me and him just resolved into ourselves that we encourage one another. We were like, you know, when you think about it, though, it was by the grace of God that we've gotten to where we are now and that our kids have gotten to where we were. Control was an illusion this whole time. We felt like we had a measure of control, but we didn't have control. They, they, they were never really ours. They were always God's. And, and God always had a purpose and a plan for them. And, 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 and our job was to be faithful in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and be, do what we could to disciple them. But they were always in God's hands. And there were near catastrophes that we couldn't protect them from, but God intervened and and, and got us through, and he'll continue to do that as they go. And, and, and we also said that, you know, both of us, professionally and sports-wise and academically, we went through some hardships and trials that having gone through them, we realized the impact they had on us was a positive one. It helped us. It still something in us that we carried forward, and it became a positive influence in our lives. And we acknowledged that despite, despite knowing that, we still didn't want our kids to go through that kind of stuff. Think about that. And, and yet, God is going to want to take them through their own hardships and trials that they might learn to trust him just like he did for us. And, and I, I, I'm just doing this. Maybe it'll help somebody else. But, but just know, just pray for us as Christy and I, as we are in that phase now to where our kids are grown. <laughs> and we're going to have to learn to trust God in that new phase of their life now that they are adults and they're going out and living not under our roof, uh, you know, what that's supposed to look like and how we're going to be able to be uh, for them what we need to be for them, but how we might counsel them with wisdom as to how they can walk with the Lord and, 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 and grow in the Lord uh, as they embark upon their journey. Um, in life. So, um, I don't know. I felt like, uh, I felt like that needed to be said. So I just went there and I hope that that was a blessing to you. And I'm going to ask you to stand and I hope you wrote down some of those characteristics, all of them, if you could hope you wrote those down and I hope you wrote the question down. How many of those characteristics describe you? Praise God for however many that do describe you. But don't walk in self-condemnation and judgment in those areas where it doesn't describe you. You, you have a choice to make right now as to what you're going to do with that information. Don't waste time self-condemning. Don't waste time. Just humble yourself right where you're at and, 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 and begin to prayerfully and, and uh, deliberately ask God to to, to help you walk in those things. And if you need uh, counselor advice, 
you know, go to a trusted brother or sister. I, 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 me and Christy will certainly be welcome, will certainly welcome you to, uh, to come and approach us. But let's just be deliberate about that. Make sure that we're walking with the Lord. In fear and reverence of the Lord. According to truth. His truth. Walking humbly with him. And that we are endeavoring to please him. In all that we say or do. Father God, I just, I trust, I entrust you with every person here today, Lord. For all of us, Father God has acknowledged that you are, that you and you alone are God. And that Christ Jesus is the only way to you. Father, we all need to learn what it means, what it looks like, and and how to walk with you in a real and substantive way that will enable us to know you in a deeper and more intimate way and and to make a real difference and a lasting impact morally in our society. I pray, Father God, that, the, that, that your name is great. We know your name is great, but I pray that your name is proclaimed and magnified and is great here in Stillwater and Payne County and, and Father God, and, 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 and beyond. Do in us what it is your will to do in us and do through us what it is your will to do through us, Father God. Let your will be carried out here in earth, in us, as it is in heaven. Because though many there, though there be many issues in this society, I know one thing is certain, and we there there may be many assignments and many callings, but one thing is certain that you want all to come into repentance. You want all to be saved. And you want all of us as your children to work while it is day, to work the field, to to let people know the grace and mercy of God, to let everyone know the love of God. And and that though they be sinners, they are no less loved by God and that God's arms are open for them to for, for them to come to him and he will forgive them of their sins. And put his arms around them in loving embrace and receive them as his sons and daughters. That is your heart, Father God, and may we operate according to your heart that we might reach those who don't yet know you but are relying on the sons and daughters of God to stand up, to rise up and be accounted for. And proclaim the gospel in such a way that would move them to humble themselves before you and receive your glorious gift of salvation. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.